Perfect love. 
Jesus, you change everything. Lives healed, hope found here now. Jesus, you change everything. Chains fall, fear bow here now. Jesus, you change everything. Lives healed, hope found here now. Oh, Jesus, you change Bye. 
light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every
don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop. Creeper, and one of my favorite promises is that He's coming back for us. Hallelujah! We'll, we'll go around and just greet some of your family of faith this evening. We are so glad to have you here with us. Good to have you tonight. I'm excited to be here. I hope you are too. There was one other person that sounded like it. <clears throat> you have to excuse me tonight. My throat is a little tickly, you know what I'm saying? So I was just, you know those halls that I I'm got one? They're the nastiest things in the world. Oh, my gosh. I got one that's at the end of it in my mouth right now, but it's like, ugh, gross, man. Hope it helps. 
hope the agony is worth it. <laughs> okay, so we know about 10 o'clock the weather's supposed to psh, so we, we will have you home by then. All right, I promise. If not, if not, we can stay here. We got some fruit snacks in the basement we can live on. We'll be okay. <laughs> oh, yes. All over Felicia's house. We're going to do a slumber party. <laughs> Amen. I love you all, but I have no intention of ever spending the night anywhere with any of you. So I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> all right, tithing offering. If, if you haven't already prepped it, there's some envelopes in the chair in front of you. Or if there's not one there, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. And let me pray over it, and you can uh, come on down. Lord, we thank you. <clears throat> be able to come to your house and, and be together tonight. I pray that you strengthen us together. And, and Lord, that we're, we're people, uh, long-term discipleship with you. And, and I thank you, Lord, for all of the blessings in our lives, Lord. We give tonight. We, we give in just the response to the goodness of who you are. And Lord, we thank you for all the, all the ways that your goodness is bestowed upon our lives. So many different things, so many different stories we could tell of, of who you are and, and how you do what you do. And we thank you for that. So as we give tonight blessings on those who give. And for anybody who's struggling financially, Lord, I pray that you, you prove yourself faithful and show them that you make ways where there seems to be no way. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody says... Amen. Come on down if you have something, some quick, quick announcements. Don't forget this coming Sunday for 21 days, February 6th to the 27th, we're challenging you every single day to read the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. And it's uh, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, uh, a casual reading. only takes 12 or 13 minutes or something like that. But uh, just, just a challenge to get that into our heart. I think it'll speak to you. Also, a week from this Friday is the marriage night, so two back-to-back -back Fridays, the 11th to the and 18th, getting together from 7 to 9 p.m. each night. And we're going to talk about marriage, strengthening our marriages together, so that's important. Also, uh, we got small groups happening off church time, small groups. We've got three ladies' small groups meeting, two guys' groups that are meeting, and then Joy Fellowship is another one. They're picked back up in March or something. Is that correct? So if you're interested in small groups, you're not a part of one, let me know, and, and I'll let you know who you can hook up with and find out when those small groups meet. I'm excited about small groups. And last but not least, before we get into the word, um, don't forget, we're in the process right now of building our kids' church team. We're ready to separate age groups in the basements. Amen. So in our kids' church area, but we need more volunteers. So uh, if you're interested in that, or I'm just going to pray the Lord drops on everybody's heart in this place. That way everybody signs up. But anyhow, um, if the Lord dropped that on your heart, go ahead and sign up in the back. And uh, we need uh, two per room. So on base level, we should actually have more, but two per room, two in what we would consider the nursery, and then two in our main class. So anyhow, uh, if you have questions about that, you can see Kenzie, who's down there with the kids now, or you can see me. All right, that's it. So let's get our Bibles out. And I've been telling you for a little while that we're going to start February's Wednesdays, and we're going to spend it in the book of Revelation, and that's what we're going to do. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Revelation chapter number one. So, I don't know, for the next four to six weeks on Wednesdays, we're going to be in the book of Revelation. And um, <clears throat> let me just say this. Uh, 
We're going to do Revelation, I'm going to call it like this. We're going to do a slow roll. It's going to be a slow roll, okay? Because I, I think that I want to spend some time tonight and next Wednesday laying a bit of foundation before we get into some other stuff. Um, I have probably read more books over the years, especially 25 to 30 years ago, I've probably read more books about the book of Revelation than any other book of the Bible that I've ever read. I have extreme interest in the book of Revelation early on in, in ministry. Um, and, and it's an interesting book, it, uh, in the, especially in the New Testament, it's different. Any other book in the New Testament draws like you would find in Daniel chapter 7 through 12 in different places. So we're going to lay a foundation about the book of Revelation. So, um, but what I want to say is this, and, and what we're going to start doing, I think, over the next couple of weeks before we get into some different things is, the book of Revelation, more than any other book of the Bible, has a tendency to take on a life of its own. It's kind of, it has a tendency to kind of get pulled out of the canon of Scripture and it's kind of floating around out here. And even things within the book of Revelation have a tendency to take on a life of its own outside of the context of Revelation itself. Okay? So it's important that we take the book of Revelation and put it back in the Bible. Okay? So, so in other words, Scripture helps us understand Scripture. That's a vital understanding to how the Bible is put together and how the Holy Spirit has worked to bring it together. Um, so, for instance, you could, so for instance, in my personal reading in the Old Testament, I'm in, uh, just, I'm in Leviticus. So you could just read Leviticus and go, oh my goodness, and see all the things there, the, the ritual laws and all this different stuff, but it is the context of the entire Bible that puts the context to the book like Leviticus, and we interpret Leviticus based on what we understand in the New Testament. That makes sense, what I'm saying. Revelation is the same way. It has a tendency to take on a life of its own away from the Bible, and all sorts of things are said about it and, and try to put into it. Or even sometimes uh, things within the book of Revelation take on a life of its own. For instance, let's say the Mark of the Beast. All the things out there you could find about that a lot of it is taken out of the context of Revelation itself. So what I want to do is I want to lay a foundation over the next couple of weeks, bring it back into Scripture, and uh, we're going to look at some different aspects about it. So the next couple of weeks, uh, foundational things. Then the week after that, we're going to jump into the seven churches for a little bit. Then after that, then we'll get into what happens in chapter 4 the rest of the way through. Okay? Um, so, put it this way, we must look at Revelation responsibly. And often it is not the case when it comes to the book of Revelation. Now, I will say this, um, I said I, I've read a lot about it. So, of all the different readings over the, over the many years in the book of Revelation, I have found some very compelling looks at the book of Revelation. But I have found, even in those compelling looks at the book of Revelation, I find a vast variety of what they're saying about it. That makes sense. And the more you look into it, the more variety you're going to find. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, 
But again, responsible look at the book of Revelation is extremely important. Um, yeah, when I was a kid, uh, we went to an Assemblies of God church. And uh, I remember, I don't know, I was in young, young grade school. So I'm guessing I was seven, six or seven years old at the time. And we were at a church camp for a few days. So literally out in the woods, church camp. You know, I'm talking about cabins and they had service area. How many ever done that? Okay. And I'll never forget one day that the adults are having uh, uh, these morning sessions, whatever's happening. They had all the kids together. And they showed us a movie about the book of Revelation. And it was one of those movies that went along a dispensationalist look at the book of Revelation. I'll explain that in a minute. And it was one of those, like, the Left Behind thing. Now, I've never read the Left Behind series. Maybe some of you have. And, and literally, it's, it's about the rapture. Now what's happening to all the people that are left behind? And the end of the movie, all these people are getting their heads chopped off, and even kids are getting killed. And I'm literally, they're showing this to us. It scared me spitless. You know what I'm saying? We're in the woods. You know what I'm saying? It's just... It just wasn't, I don't know, man, it wasn't a good context. And ever since then, I had this kind of a, a, a weird kind of book of Revelation scary. It's, it's just mysterious. It's, it's, we're just all going to get killed, you know, and, and if we don't worship this beast thing. And listen, let, let's, let's take it back. The book of Revelation isn't scary. Okay, it says something to us that is important. This is what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. All right, so Revelation chapter 1, verse number 1. Let me just read here, um, and then we'll kind of go from there. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. You see that? The things that must soon take place. Now, we're going to talk about this more next week. Revelation was revealed to John roughly in the 90s A.D. So, so Jesus roughly somewhere in the, the early 30s, crucified, ascended. So 60 years or so after the ascension of Jesus, the book of Revelation is revealed to John, and he, he, he scribes it out. But it, here we are, by the way... It, Things that must soon take place, we are a little over 2,000 years from that time. Okay? Now, what's interesting about the book of Revelation, and you'll see it, is that unlike Daniel, at the end of Daniel, chapter number 12, Daniel is told to seal up what he has seen, okay, until the times of the end. There is no sealing up of what is being said in the book of Revelation. It is open from the time that the revelation is given to John. Okay, and we'll see that. So watch what it says. Um, the soon must take place, and he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. And who keep what is written in it, for the time is what? Time is near. Now, again, we'll talk about this a little more next week. The book is written, 
or given to seven churches. And they were literal churches in Asia. Uh, all of the churches that it's listed, and we'll get into those in a couple weeks, they were connected by well-traveled uh, Roman roads. They were all roughly about two days' travel from each other. And this revelation, that this, this prophecy was given to these churches. Now, what would happen is they didn't have this. You know that. So what it was was when John wrote down what he saw, either that was given to somebody or he himself, or copies were made, and somebody would go to the church, and they would stand up and read it, the entire thing. Okay, so notice what it says. He who hears these words, right? So the letters, even the epistles of Paul worked the same way. They would be sent to the churches, and somebody, a lot of times the carrier of the letter, would read it to those in attendance. They would bust out and there would be conversation about it, or there may be some interaction with the person that brought it and read it. So the book of Revelation itself calls it a book, but it literally is a letter written to seven churches. And it would have been read aloud to the seven churches. So the book of Revelation has a very time-specific context. And, and we're going to talk more about that. So it, it was read aloud. And, and let's keep on reading there. For the time is near. So John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne of God and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, it has freed us from our sin by his blood and may us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, jump back to chapter 22. So we just read the beginning. Let's, let's read the end. Chapter 22. And let's pick up verse number 10. John twenty-two ten, And he said to me, do not steal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Again, it was open prophecy from the time it was given. For the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and let the filthy still be filthy, and let the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. And again, this is a constant repetition of that. Bring about my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Again, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Uh, let's see, jump down to verse 18. And I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, when it says that, what's it talking about? It's talking about the letter of Revelation itself. Now, some people see that and they think he's talking about the whole Bible. The Bible was in existence then, as we have it. It's talking about Revelation, the letter of Revelation itself. So anybody who messes with the prophecies of this book, if anyone adds to them, 
God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So I read that to let you know this. Again, we have to look at the book of Revelation responsibly. Not only in what it says, but the application of what we do with it. So there should be uh, some seriousness that we don't treat this however we want to treat it. Because if you mess with the prophecy, we, you take away from it, you add to it, it's not a good thing. So to be responsible with the book of Revelation is of utmost importance. Revelation, and we'll talk more about this next week, it is category, it is apocalyptic. That simply means revealing. It is eschatological, which means it deals with uh, the, the salvation events of history. And it's prophecy. And it's prophecy, and we'll get into this in a minute, it's prophecy in its foretelling, which is extremely important, but also in its foretelling. And I'll tell you the difference in those. So... Here's a couple different ways that inter interpretation of the book of Revelation kind of happens. And, and I, I tell you this, and I go through this not to give so much information that you're confused. I give this to let you know there is a variety of ways that the book of Revelation is seen. Okay? Does that make sense? So... Although it's much, much more nuanced than the couple different things I'm going to tell you, there's a couple different ways that maybe be big picture ways the book of Revelation is dealt with. And the first is called preterist. P-R-E-T-E-R-I-S-T, -E -E preterist. And a preterist look at the book of Revelation is that the book of Revelation, it, it meant something in its specific time context that the hearer of the, of the letter when it was read aloud would have associated it with things happening in their time and it would have meant something then. And it was very foretelling in that time, but it's not really uh, foretelling as a later, this is happening down the road stuff. Okay? You see what I mean by that? So what it says to the seven churches, very applicable in the moment. What it said then in chapter 4 all the way through chapter 19, they, they would have connected it to things happening at that time. And then certainly the foretelling would have been future judgment, the return of Jesus. Okay? So that's one way we look at it. Um, then another way would be more what we would call a dispensationalist look at the book of Revelation. So a dispensationalist look would mean that there are stages and series of events that, that happen in order, and, it, and there are things that are going to happen in the future, right? Now, Justice back there, I, I actually have some slides for this series. So, Justice, there's a blue slide, okay? If you can find that one down there with the Revelation stuff on, on the Purpose Center. There's a blue slide, if you can find that and throw that up there. Okay, that was it, right? You had, okay. This is some breakdowns of dispensationalist look at the book of Revelation. So a dispensationalist look at the book of Revelation will draw from the book of Daniel. It'll draw from Matthew 24, okay? So I'll give you an example. 
In the book of Revelation, nowhere does it mention an abomination that causes desolation. Did you know that? But the abomination that causes desolation is found in Daniel, and it's found in Matthew 24, and it's parallel in the book of Mark. Why do we talk about the abomination that causes desolation with the book of Revelation? Because we draw from other places in Scripture to it. So Daniel chapter 9, I believe the 70 weeks of Daniel chapter 9 is sort of overlaid with what we say we find as a seven-year tribulation in the book of Revelation. And it draws then an abomination that causes desolation to it. That makes sense? Um, do, do you know the book of Revelation doesn't have the word Antichrist in it? Did you know that? Not there. But what they do is, you got the beast that comes out of sea in, in uh, Revelation 13. And many people then say, well, the man of lawlessness of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and also the Antichrist of 1 John is the beast that comes out of the sea. And they draw those in and say the beast is the Antichrist, even though the book of Revelation does not say the beast is the Antichrist. So a dispensationalist look draws those things together and then adds the rapture of the church, which we would find in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, different places like that. It could, see, that's what I mean by bringing scripture together and pulling Revelation back into the context of the word. So here are four dispensationalists looked at the book of Revelation. Okay, so the first one at the very top is that the rapture happens before the tribulation begins. So that there is this idea that there's a seven-year tribulation, right? Um, connected in there, you have uh, throughout the Bible the, the, the day of the Lord or, or the day of wrath and things like that that would happen at the end of tribulation. So I know somebody that I, I respect very highly, their understanding of the scriptures, that they hold a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Now, so that movie that I said I watched as a kid, it was based on that. So all the Christians were raptured out, and those who were left behind had to deal with and, and navigate marks of beast and all this different stuff to be worthy then to be counted among the elect. That's why they were being killed. So if you hold a tribulation uh, rapture before the tribulation, you would not be here for the events like the mark of the beast and things like that. Okay? The second one would be a mid-tribulation rapture, mid-trip rapture. You ever hear that term? So sometime in the midst of, of seven years, three and a half years in, the church is raptured out. Then, then there's uh, dispensation post-tribulation. That at the end of the seven years of the tribulation, the, uh, the believers go through the raptured out at the end. So they would then be here for the things like the mark of the beast and things of that nature. Then they're raptured out. Now, this last one, this was the dispensationalist look that I grew up in as a teenager later in life. The pastor of that church, who I respect very highly, his understanding of scriptures, he held that. That before the great day of the Lord, at the end of the tribulation, the church is raptured out. It's called pre-wrath rapture of the church. So, I don't show you this to confuse you. I show you this to say there's a lot of different ways that people see it. But let me tell you something. None of these are a hill to die on. How many know what I'm saying? See, see, the reason that you have these things is because there are things in the Bible that sort of can back up any one of these. You know what I mean? 
So that's why I said all the reasons I, I did, you find different views, and a lot of them fall into stuff like this. And, and well, wow, that makes a lot of sense why it would be pre-wrath. But man, it also makes a lot of sense why, why we're not here for the tribulation. The Bible says we're not appointed unto wrath. And, and you see what I'm saying? So none of these are hills to die on. Okay? So our look at Revelation, and, and by the way, uh, Al's got some, you can pick these up when you go. They're bigger bookmarks. Uh, Mike's got one there. You can get them when you go. That is a pre-tribulation rapture look at the book of Revelation, okay? So if you want one of those to kind of break it down a little more and take it with you and look at it. Um, so there's a wide variety within the book itself. So if you ever hear somebody say, that's the way it is, and if you don't agree with me, you're wrong and you're a false teacher and all this different stuff, you just go, okay. And I generally just discount it right away. You see what I'm saying? Um, by the way, within that, now there's different ways of seeing uh, what we would call allegory versus literal within the book of Revelation. What do I mean by that? So, beast coming out of the sea in Revelation 13. Some people see those events and things like that, and you see all sorts of creatures, and, and it's really, if you look at the book of Daniel, you see sort of these kind of creatures. The book of Revelation is in the same uh, a prophetic genre of the book of Daniel. You, you see visions of creatures and, and all these different things. The book of Revelation, some people would say that beast, there is going to be a beastly creature literally come out of this sea. And somehow this will be marked up to be the Antichrist and all the things that happen. So they, they have a literal, like a very literal look at the book of Revelation. So anything you see, that big locusts that have, you know, that, that are able to kill, there's literally going to be that. They think that. Now, some people look at the book of Revelation and say it's, it's literal in its sequence and what it says, but those things are allegorical for other stuff. They, they symbolize something. Does that make sense? Or, or if you're more of a preterist look, as we talked about, all of it is allegory and symbol for something. Um... So you find that. And again, till you start to parse this out, so it's literal, but it's symbolic. And the challenge is, where is it literal? Where is it symbolic? And, and things like this. Again, you'll find it all over the map when people try to nail all that stuff down. Now, what's important to this then, having said all that, is that there is a foretelling of the book of Revelation and a foretelling of the book of Revelation and that makes a difference to how I approach it, okay? So if you're going to try to nail me down, I'm going to say the book of Revelation is literal. Symbolically where it's symbolic and, and, and where it's in symbolism, we're not going to go free for all there with it. Okay, we, we, need to, we need to keep it in a context. But it meant something to those who heard it in foretelling okay, that teaches us something today, but there is a foretelling of things to come at the same time. And I'll show you something about that at the very end before I close tonight. So when I talk about foretelling versus foretelling, let me explain that. So again, foretelling is a prophet saying, and this is going to happen. 
then at some point that happens. So the prophet Isaiah, and the virgin will be with child, right? That's foretelling. And then 700 years later, the virgin with the child and Jesus is born. But what we think often, we think about prophets, we only think about foretelling, and we're missing a much larger picture of what's happening with a prophet and the office of a prophet. Now remember, the office of a prophet and the gift of prophecy are not the same thing. The gift of prophecy, edification of a church, but the office of a prophet works in different things. It can involve foretelling, but it, the foretelling is sort of like this. So if you read the Old Testament prophets and John, uh, John the Revelator that, that received this revelation and wrote these things down, he is very much in the tradition of the Old Testament prophets, okay? John, in that tradition, has something that he's saying as much as what he's saying is going to happen. So in the Old Testament prophets, you'll find often if you read through them that they're constantly coming to Israel and saying, you are in idolatry and you are in injustice towards how you treat people. That had nothing to do with telling them something that's going to come. It was reminding them what God had said, Right? And there were times because they were in sin, then they'd say, okay, now because you're in sin, here is what is going to happen, and this is judgment. Does that make sense? So foretelling is a reminding of what God has said and an exposing of whatever it is against what God has said. So the book of Revelation contains a foretelling, and, and that's what we're going to really key in on in uh, two, two Wednesdays from now. So as much as it has foretelling, it does, if you miss the foretelling, then you're just going to be sitting around going, when is this stuff going to happen? And if you do that, you miss the whole point of the book in the first place. You miss the whole point of the letter. You miss the whole point of the revealing. What it said to those who heard it at the time when the letter was read means something to us today because these things are still in action. It means something. So we're going to look at the foretelling so in a way that, that kind of puts context to our current situation of how we are experiencing life right now. All right. Are you still with me? I'm not losing you, am I? Okay. Sometimes when, I, when I'm up here, I'm, I'm wondering, has everybody already zoned and counting the lights out the window or something like that? So we're all still here, right? Okay. Now... Back to what I said. The reason I believe the foretelling is important is because of what we said before. John was not told to seal up the words of the book to a later time. It was open from the time that it was given. That means it had very real-time meaning for whenever it is, it is heard. Even if the actual events of the book of Revelation are not happening now. So... Uh, one of the biggest questions that I get asked over the years because of things that pop up in the world is, are we in the last days? How many ever asked that question? And I always say, well, yeah. The Bible says at Pentecost, the, the Spirit will be poured out in the last days. Joel, right? Joel, Prophet Joel said that. And then Peter said, when the Pentecost came, Peter said, and this is the fulfillment of Joel. So when the Spirit was poured out, the Bible says that we were in the last days ever since the day of Pentecost. Now, somebody always says, well, 
okay, almost like, haha, that was funny. But no, are we in the last days? You know what I'm saying? That they, in other words, they're asking, are we in the events of the book of Revelation? That's what they want to know. Um, kind of like this. And, and people that talk to me about this, I'll say, look, if it fits, it fits. If it doesn't fit, don't try to jam it in there. It's kind of like putting a puzzle together. It's my, the, the example I use to everybody who asks me that question. You ever put a puzzle together and you think a piece fit when you put it, it didn't quite fit, and then if you nub it down, you knock a corner of the piece up? If, if you have to knock corners up to make it fit, it's not there. So quit trying to jam it in there. Okay? If it fits, it fits. If it don't, it don't. So are we in the, are we in the tribulation period of the book? That's what they're asking. Are we in the tribulation period? Is this what that's saying? Well, if you're taking a very literal approach to the book of Revelation, chances are no. But if you're saying, but well, I don't take it literally, I take it that's symbolic for this, then it's like, well, I guess anything's possible. You see what I'm saying? So we have to look at it responsibly when we get into those conversations. So I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but it is an open book. Now, let me just say something about prophecy. Can I, this is sort of off the subject, but it was on my mind when I was putting this together. When you have people out there that claim to be prophets, and they're doing a lot of foretelling, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, the church has got to get way better at judging this stuff. Because there's a lot of mess going on out there. The prophecies of the Old Testament all dovetailed to who? Jesus. Ever since Jesus came, the, the, the mantle office of the prophet and the things that they say should always be connected to Jesus in some manner because he is the fulfillment of the law and the who? The prophets. So this book of Revelation... Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about the, the big themes of Revelation. One of the big things in the book of Revelation is the Christology of Jesus, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who was and, and is and, and is to come, and how it correlates, how it says the same thing about God in there. It, it's rising to make sure that Jesus is on the level of deity that he is. It dovetails to him. If you're listening to people prophesy a bunch of mess today, it's not connected and doesn't dovetail to Jesus, Watch it with a very wary eye. I think the church has got to stop listening to people who said, this is going to happen, and then, oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And There is not real grace in the Bible for people who claim to be a prophet and say things that don't come true. They're called a what in the Bible? False prophet. How about we stop listening to them? You see what I'm saying? That's a little side, side thing there. Okay. So let's get into some issues of interpretation, and I'll, I'll close out with this tonight. I'm telling you, it's a slow roll. I know, hey, well, I want to talk about this and this. Okay, we'll, we'll get to some stuff. It's already 8 o'clock. Issues of interpretation. The first big issue we find in interpretation in the book of Revelation is that in there, there is no foretelling. It's all about foretelling and what events are fitting into it. Okay, so that, we, we'll talk about that more. That, that is the first big one. 
if you don't capture the foretelling of the book and it's all about foretelling, then you're missing the point of what the prophecy is revealing. Okay? The second thing is, and I alluded to this, an issue of interpretation is trying to take your current events and fit it into the book of Revelation when it doesn't really fit. Now, this causes a lot of issues. Boy who cried wolf. We can cry wolf so much that unbelievers won't listen to us anymore. Not only when the wolf's about to come or that the wolf doesn't even exist. The church has done a lot of damage to the gospel being sent forth because of predictions and guessing that doesn't happen. Uh, so I'll I tell you a couple stories. I got a couple slides to deal with this. So um, I, heard, I heard a guy speak, this is years ago, I heard a guy speak and, and he had a resource table with books and I was out there flipping through the books and I found a book and he, this guy wrote a book that he figured out who the Antichrist was. Literally, it was a book on his table name, with a name. And some guy in the Middle East, he was a big oil, uh, uh, whatever you would call him, and literally his name was in the book. He figured him out through things in Revelation, through uh, the 666 and, and working the, all that. Well, that was 15, 16 years ago. The guy in the book is not alive anymore. So this guy wrote a book guessing, but he thought he was right. Now, you imagine if somebody took that book and, oh, my gosh, and bought a bunch of copies and passed it out to people they knew. you got to read this. I mean, we're, we're, writing, we're writing the book of Revelation. you got to read this. And after a few years, everybody's going, Psh. Are we helping to advance the gospel with this stuff? Absolutely not. Now, what's interesting is I met a guy and became friends with him that actually used to work with that guy. And I'm not, I'm not putting any of these people down we're going to talk about. And I said, hey, by the way, and I asked him about this book. He goes, you know what? We, we had a meeting, a staff meeting. He told us, and we were all like, don't even, no, don't write it. Don't write it. Don't, you want to tell people, you know, but, but say, well, I'm just thinking, don't put it in print. It's they, they cost him against it, but he was so sure of himself. Everybody who does this is extremely sure of themselves, right? I was walking into Walmart one time. You guys know I used to have a television show, right? Twelve years I was on television show uh, locally and, and internationally, a uh, show for teenagers. I was walking into Walmart in Sydney one night, and I got into Walmart, and that Sydney Walmart used to have a bench right inside the door. And I was walking past and some older lady sitting there going, hey, hey, did you know that Saddam Hussein's in the book of Revelation? I went, I went, oh, really? Now, if you know anything about poker, that's my tell. If you say something to me and I go, oh, really? Chances are I'm entering the conversation skeptical. All right? I just gave myself away. So I said, I said, really? And I, I don't want to be mean, so I just I went to listen, and she just she's talked to me so much, I sat down beside her. And she's just going on and on, and you know, it says this and this, and I, and I was actually entirely fascinated. 
and she'd explain to me, this, this was after the first Gulf War and before we were getting back in the, the Desert Shield and doing all this different stuff. And I don't know how long I was there. And eventually another older lady came out and she popped back up and said, hey, I was just telling the, the TV preacher about Saddam Hussein. They just walked out of Walmart. I was just like, okay. But she, whoever she was receiving information from, she was dead sure that the events of the Middle East that were happening because of war and things like this, Saddam Hussein was in the book of Revelation. Is she right? I don't know. Could be. Right? Justice. The book that says 1988 on it. You find that it was a white book. It says 88 reasons why the rapture will be in 1988. How many of you weren't even alive in 1988? Okay, well, now again, I'm not, I'm not saying this to put anybody down, but I'm, I'm just giving you examples. I didn't ever read this book, but I knew of it. This person believes they found 88 reasons from Scripture why the rapture was going to happen in 1988. They were wrong. They put it in print. They believe so much in it, they put it in print, right? And, and as often you'll find it, by the way, the events of Revelation, people try to tie it to the Jewish feasts and things like this, okay? So that's what this person was doing. Now, go, there's one right next to it, Justice, that just looks, it's white, it just has some writing on it, okay? So notice it says 88 reasons why, okay, predicted that, okay. When he realized he was wrong, he wrote another one in 1989. And he said that he miscalculated some things. Where he, so when they recalculated, it ended up in. But notice that he wrote another one in, in 1993 and 94. You see what I'm saying? All right, put the other one in 1994 by another guy. You guys might know this guy, Harold Camping. He predicted originally 1994 would be the end of things. Now, he was around long enough that in 2011, I believe, he and his sect of followers started saying that the end of the war was going to start happening in May of 2011, and by October of 2011, it would be finished. We were driving to Florida. No joke. We're going down 75 to visit her family in Florida, and we passed a couple vans that had this written you know, and that chalk stuff on their vans. They were followers of Harold Camping. Putting it out there, you got to repent. And this was in the summer of 2011. The end of the world, Jesus is coming. And it, he didn't. Now, these people are driving down a busy highway, and everybody's seeing this. Are they helping the cause of the gospel? No, they're not. So we have to see things. Uh, you can put the Revelation thing back up there. You have to see things in a way where we hold true to the prophecy, treat Revelation with respect, and hold to the message that it says without guessing and predicting and putting times, and then we're wrong. And then we're the boy who cries wolf. Now, what's amazing, by the way, the, the first one, 88 reasons why the rapture happened in 1988, I had that stuff, and I was just on Twitter. I'm a Twitter guy. I don't Facebook. About, I like Twitter. I ran randomly into a Twitter thread about that 1988 book. 
And somebody in the thread said, yeah, my parents helped finance that book. And they were, they were just going on, how about that guy? You know what I'm saying? Again, back to this whole prophecy thing. A lot of these people that do this prophesy, not only do they do it without any, any kind of authority in it, but they often financially profit from it. And let me tell you something. That's a dangerous business to say God said when God did not say by itself and then add into financially profiting from it. I don't want to be in those shoes. We must be responsible with God has said. Now, if somebody's saying, you know, I'm studying this out, and I think, okay, we have a lot of latitude. But this whole thing, I just know it's going to happen. You, you, can, you can put your bottom dollar on it. Let's be careful. So the last issue with interpretation then rolls into this. We can be so consumed by this kind of stuff that we miss big picture Christianity. I think we're in the last days, so I quit growing in love. Does that make sense? I think we're so far into this that, that my normal Christian life is kind of shoved to the side, and I'm just engulfed with this stuff. Listen, growing as a Christian, if, if, listen, if the rapture or Jesus coming back is next week, grow as a Christian every day till he comes back. Share the gospel with people whether or not you know when he's coming. The urgency of sharing the gospel should have nothing to do with some sort of prediction. I share the gospel because we know Jesus is coming back. When? Who knows? We know judgment is coming. When? Who knows? We know these things will happen. But, but let's not get into interpretation issues with the book of Revelation. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'll stop there. It's 10 after, 10 after uh, 8. So kind of like this. Um, are we headed to the end? What well, every day? Every day we're closer. Uh, do things happen in the history of the world that pave the way for this stuff to come? Absolutely. We're, every step we take, we're headed there. Everything that happens in society is taking us to Jesus coming back. We know that. Every advancement of technology, we're headed that way. Everything that happens. Through history, there's foreshadows of this stuff. If you were alive at World War II, can you imagine the stuff that they're putting out about the Book of Revelation and stuff? Hitler, the Antichrist, what's happening with, with the Jewish people? My goodness. Is that a foreshadowing? I would bet. Was it the actual events of the Book of Revelation? No. Right? You see what I'm getting at? So there are things that happen that, that we say, man, that, that looks like it. It may not fix it. Look, yes, they're foreshadowing. They're, they're types. They're taking us somewhere. One example. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking your time. One example. So the abomination that causes desolation in, in Daniel. In the intertestinal period between... Uh, the, 400 years roughly between the, what we find of recorded books of the Old Testament and Matthew. So Malachi to Matthew, there's about 400 years, right? About 167 B.C., this guy named Antiochus Epiphanes comes in and he just takes over. He, he proclaimed himself to be God. He goes into the temple in Jerusalem 
sets up an altar to Zeus and sacrifices a pig in there. Now, if you know anything about Jewish custom, the people of that day believed that they were witnessing the abomination that causes desolation as prophesied in the book of Daniel. What resulted what was called the Maccabean Revolt. And, and they recaptured it. They cleansed the temple. The celebration of Hanukkah is a celebration of that, of the temple being retaken and, and, and cleansing all that stuff. They believed they were living in the book of Daniel. Now, what, what was prophesied in the book of Daniel? If Jesus hadn't said himself about the abomination causes desolation, we would say, you're right. But yet Jesus said it. But then before the book of Revelation is given, the temple in Jerusalem is, is ransacked by the Romans and destroyed in 70 A.D., right? There are those that believe that what Jesus said in Matthew 24 was fulfilled in that time. So what happens is these prophecies can have foreshadows and types that fit. And all they're doing is pushing us towards the actual events that someday. So was, what Antiochus Epiphanes, with what he did, was it an abomination that causes desolation in the temple? Absolutely. Was the ransacking of the temple by, by the general Titus in 70 AD, was that an abomination? Absolutely. Are we still waiting for an abomination that causes desolation at the end? Maybe. We have to have a temple rebuilt and all sorts of stuff for that to happen. It depends how you look at your dispensation and how it works out. But the, the point is this. Things happen in history where people say, that's it. They just, that's it. And in a certain way, they may be right. Because it's, it's foreshadowing and showing us of things to come. I mean, understand what I'm saying. Okay. All right. I promise now I'll stop there. All right, next week, we're going to get into John. We're going to talk about the author John a little bit. We're going to get into the seven churches a little bit and some more stuff. Sound good? Okay. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for revelation. And, and Lord, that, that you will come for your people, a people who are just following you, Lord, your, your bride and the church and, and then the the new Jerusalem to come and all the things we're looking for in new heaven and new earth. We believe. And we believe we're people marked by your spirit. Lord, raise us up. Keep us strong in our days to be a witness for you. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen, amen, amen. Be blessed. Come to church Sunday, a new series Sunday called The Neighborhood. Yeah, we'll get into what that's about.